Hello and welcome to Is Made Is a Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Omar Lopez, and I'm joined with someone who has a lot of pizzazz. Josh Hemo. I want it to be noted that you have to say pizzazz with jazz hands. Pizzazz. Exactly. Just like that. <laughs> Even though none of you can see that at home, but I hope you imagine us just doing jazz hands. Yeah, it's like when you smile when you speak on the phone, you can you can feel it. Exactly. It has the same energy. So, speaking of this same energy, this is our <laughs> podcast where we have a lot of fun and watch a SpongeBob episode and discuss little life lessons we can learn from our spongy, 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 spongy friend <laughs> and his non-spongy friends. <laughs> um, just like last week, we have some donation links. I will get us started. So, I am going to direct everyone to throw their money at City Harvest. What they do is they do food rescue in New York City. So they basically get food that is going to go to waste, uh, whether it's some bureaucratic nonsense or just because, you know, they have no place for it to go and they redistribute it to people who need it in the community. Nice. So go check them out and give them some dollar bill dollar bills. Like dollar dollar bills, baby. Yeah, just. <laughs> uh, what did you get, Josh? Uh, so I'm going to continue on my theme of having themes, I suppose. <laughs> so I had the whole voting bowl. <laughs> And then last week I did like a Thanksgiving thing. So I'm going to try to continue that and just find donation links for that until Thanksgiving happens. So I did one for New York last week. So I'm going to do one for my other home for like Tucson. So I chose the Community Food Bank of Southern Arizona, who is one of, when I Googled it, unfortunately only three organizations popped up for Tucson um, that are supplying Thanksgiving meals. But uh, I think this one is one of the more popular ones that are supplying more than just Tucson. It's more of like uh, multiple counties in Southern Arizona. Um, and I think all year round, they continue to do this. So it's just a really good organization. I know when I was living in, in um, Arizona, I heard a lot about them. So I think this is a good place. If you have extra money to give this year, if you can't donate actually canned goods or foods to uh, different organizations, uh, go ahead and throw a couple bucks because that, Literally, I think like $10 I've read, $10 feeds like a family, you know, for one meal. So I think something like that is always good to go towards. That's pretty good. Yep. Nice. Lots of food. Food I like like our (laughs) food-based donations. We had some dog stuff. We had some food ones. It's great. (laughs) All right. So this week we're watching season five, episode six, Roller Cowards and Bucket Sweet Bucket. Act one, Roller Cowards. In this act, SpongeBob and Patrick decide to go to Glove World and ride the newest, scariest ride called the Fiery Fist of Pain. They're both super scared to ride it, and neither wants to tell the other one, so um, they spend the whole day kind of procrastinating on it until eventually they ride the ride and their spines fall out. So my topic for our discussion to start things off, Josh, Mm -hmm, is mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, how many times has your spine fallen out? No. Uh, mine is scariest ride you've ever been on. Scariest ride I've already been on. Uh, so for a long time, I thought that the, uh, I can't remember what it's called. The roller coaster in Grand California roller coaster, whatever it is in, uh, California adventures in Disneyland was the scariest. The one that does the loop-de-loop? Yeah. Only because at the beginning it blasts you off pretty quickly. Um, but I went to Six Flags Grand Adventure last year here or in, in New Jersey. And there is a ride there that uh i actually i think i blacked out on like because like the <laughs> adrenaline like because like it happened 
So you blacked out. You well, like it. for a moment, like you, I just saw black. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah. So I think that would count. And it was because like it's a roller coaster you have to stand up on, and that was not an experience I was willing, I was ready to try. And like I didn't realize the difference between standing and sitting is a huge thing on a roller coaster. So how do you stand? There's like a like it a locks platform. you in. Yeah, no, it locks you in. So you're in a standing position. So it locks you in in a whole heart, like a whole thing that you're standing up. And I was just like, oh, this is it. And I'm like, I just saw black for a whole f-ing moment. I was like, yeah, that's it. I just completely blacked just, out in this. So I just imagine like you know those videos where they lock <laughs> they lock the pass out. Yeah, <laughs> they pass out and their arms are just like loose. <laughs> Oh god! And I've only had that happen on one older coaster before that, and that was at Knott's Berry Farm in California, and it was going backwards super fast, and I had blacked out for a few seconds. Are you sure you weren't just iron deficient? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> you got up too fast. You just like you never. So you never been on a roller coaster, and your like sight just goes completely black, like after some point. Um, no, but I also haven't been to a Six Flags. Six Flags or like Knott's Berry Farm I, or something. I have a lot of family members that are weenies. Oh. So no one will really go. And then also like we're a Disney family for sure. So we never like went to go different places. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always hyper aware of everything that's going on. <laughs> so the scariest ride you've ever been on is like Haunted Mansion, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't even go in there. <laughs> Like, is that room stretching? Who Do you knows? want to know an embarrassing story about me, about the Haunted oh, Mansion? Are you yes. ready for this? <laughs> I, I don't want to talk about SpongeBob. I only want to know this embarrassing story. Now. So I deny it to this day to my family, but I'll just let it everyone on the podcast know. Uh, I was And 10. your sister, because she is an oh, avid she, Oh, there's, well, no, the sister, because she this was the first time she went to Disneyland, and she was like three or four, and that doesn't really count because I don't remember. But... I pretended to be sick in the line of Haunted Mansion when I was like 10 or 12 in order to get not on the ride because I was so scared to get on the ride. So I actually had to go to the first aid center at Disneyland and they gave me ice chips to eat because they're like, oh, you're probably just dehydrated. I was like, yeah, that must be it. And to this day, my mom's like, no, you're just a little baby that like didn't want to get on this ride. You're just a liar. Yeah. But that's good. Yeah. I'm glad. I've also been to the first aid center, but not for that reason. Not because you're a baby. No, it's because in the day before cell phones, we were with my uncle and we got separated during the fireworks. Oh. And uh, but I did throw up on Jungle Cruise once. Nice. That's a fun ride. I was sick. <laughs> I was sick, and my parents are sick people that made me ride the Jungle Cruise, even though I had like a fever. And like all this Yo, other stuff. listen, those tickets are not cheap. You're going to exactly. get every dollar they can from that. So even if you're sick, you're going to ride that ride as much as you can. Okay, in an effort to speed things along, the scariest ride I've ever been on, I still say the the Ferris wheel at California Adventures. That's all, yeah. But yeah, yeah. let's talk about Glove World. Mm-hmm. This big, fast, and painful roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really crazy that like you go out of the water, you like go flying out, and you explode. You crash, yeah. Yeah, it's just. I mean, the literal appeal of the ride is that you lose your spine, right? Yeah. I do really like the gag that they do when, you know, SpongeBob and Patrick finally get on the ride. Yeah. That they spine swap. Yeah. Well, they they full skeleton swap. It wasn't just spine swap. Yeah. (laughs) And they're like different shapes. It's weird seeing Patrick's SpongeBob shape. Yeah. And vice versa. I didn't like it. I wasn't for that. It's a little bit wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a little bit. But it, but it was nice to see, you know, to yeah. like satisfy the curiosity. 
I did like that the fact that we returned to Glove World though. I feel like a lot of this episode it was like the return to Glove World was one of the like the throwbacks and the other throwback I caught was uh Patrick arguing with his mere dimension self and he even mentions it. He even brings it up. He's like I thought I got rid of you the first time or whatever. I think that's so crazy. He like straight up like just punches him. Yeah. He's done. He's done. <laughs> What do you think Patrick dreamed of? In the very beginning, he's like, oh, I had a scary dream too. And then he never tells it. In my mind, I'd like to think that him and SpongeBob shared the same dream. Because I think in all of SpongeBob's dream, the only person that didn't morph into something weird was Patrick. So mm-hmm. I would like to think that there's a through line there that they shared the same dream. But who knows? Like that, that would make sense when he does that dream hopping in the yeah. early seasons. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. This is a whole throwback episode. I'm hoping that they keep that. But. Um, when they show that little kid with the, uh, oh, when they're riding the mitten, yeah, which is actually a really great name for a for a ride, for a ride. yeah, I'm gonna steal that for D and I'm gonna name something called <laughs> the mitten. Um, they ride with that little kid, but it reminded me a lot. So in California Adventures, they have this ride called. It used to be called Mulholland Madness when everything was California themed, mm-hmm. but uh, now it's called like Goofy's Flight School. Yeah, that thing scared the shit out of me. Really, only because. It's not because it's scary in any way. It's just like the way that the car moves when it takes a quick turn, does like U-turns. Yeah. And those U-turns make me feel like play into my fear of heights of like, oh, we're going to fall off. Fall. Whereas like a roller coaster, I never think I'm going to fall off. For your and, for those roller coaster tycoon fans out there, that's the rat trap roller coaster we're referring to that goes really <laughs> fast around the corners. <laughs> for for Dan Baker. Yeah, basically that's the, it. <laughs> the, roller, the roller coaster tycoon world champion yeah. for speed runs. Shout out. <laughs> Shout out to Dan if you're listening. Um, but yeah, it reminded me of that. Like it was, I was like, it's not scary, but it's still kind of scary a little bit. Although the, they only had a little hump. Well, that's the thing that like I wanted to kind of talk about. Like, we talked about like scariest rides and stuff, but I think what's interesting when I've gone to different theme parks with people, because I've gone with like school groups, I've like, gone with my family, I've gone with friends and stuff, is that I've always experienced that people have different fears of different rides. It's not just roller coasters, like again, like Haunted Mansion, it's not really that scary, but people are still terrified of it, you know, and stuff like Pirates of the Caribbean, roller coasters, stuff like that. Like it, it's very interesting what people, what rides people experience, like it's too intense for them, you know. It's funny that you say that because one of my embarrassing things when I was younger is when we went to Universal Studios. Um, I didn't want to ride the ET ride because I didn't know how to ride a bike. I thought that was necessary for the flight <laughs> apparatus, but my parents were to get on it. were not very attentive on how. Uh, no, they didn't make me get on it, but they were like, "Why are you afraid? It's not like even scary." Because now I'm like, "Oh, you just like literally sit on something and it like it's like a dark ride and locks in you Disneyland. in Disneyland." Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. They didn't. They couldn't explain it to me. I was like, I felt like I was a little bit irrational as a child. But I feel like if you would have told me, "Hey, you don't need to know how to ride a bike. You just need to sit sit there." Yeah. I would have been like, "Oh, that makes sense." Well, and that's like the, the big thing about like this whole roller coaster episode that we get is that you know we build it up so much in our minds. Like every time I'm in line for a roller coaster. I build it up so much in my mind, like, oh my god, that drop that everyone's screaming on, it's going to be so terrifying. But when I'm actually on the ride, I'm like, you know, it wasn't that bad. It goes by so quickly. Like, most roller coaster rides are, like, under 30 seconds. And I'm just like, you know, I can completely, apparently just black out those 30 seconds, so it's fine. <laughs> the biggest thing I got from this act was speak up if you feel, like, feel wrong about something. Yeah. I feel like so much in our actual lives, like, oh, like... For me, I think a lot about relationships. Like mm-hmm. in high school, 
where it's like, well, I thought you didn't like me. Well, I thought you didn't like oh, me. Oh, yeah. Well, we liked each other this whole time. And that always happens, like, the end of the school year. Yeah. Like, oh, I thought you, I thought we were both going to uh, date, but it never happened. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, But also, like, other just things. Like, oh, I don't want to go here. But I I feel obligated as and they even say it. It's like I my buddy Patrick really wants to go on this ride, so I'm gonna do it for well, him. Well, yeah, I think they really brought it home with like I didn't want to disappoint you. And he's like, Well, I don't want to disappoint you either. And I think that's a big thing, is like I think a lot of people and I do it too. I, I'm always afraid of like if I'm disappointing people and it's like a people pleaser thing. Like you gotta kinda break out of that habit because I think most of the time people, if they're your friends, like aren't disappointed by whatever actions or whatever the fuck you're doing. Like they understand, you know. Yeah, you gotta be straight up sometimes. Yeah, um, I love the moment where Patrick, uh, touches uh, his name's Glovey Glove. Glovey Glove, yeah. Uh, the <laughs> the little still like picture that they paint they painted for this is so hilarious. Just because, like, again, like you're talking about, like people are scared of different things. And yeah. just, it's so odd. Um, but it makes a lot of sense because I was like this in high school with like bands that I like when I used to like meet them at meet and greets. Mm-hmm. You get so shy because then you're like, but this is like a cool person. I really don't want to like. That, yeah, celebrity shyness. Say something. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. so funny that I always joke about if uh, Fatima's younger sister ever meets Billie Eilish, I think she's just going to start crying. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even going to be like a, like, oh my God, it's Billie Eilish. She's just going to freeze. She's going to completely ball. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think it'd be pretty funny. Um. One of the funniest, like, speaking of funny stuff, like, one of the funniest parts of this episode, it's actually kind of sad, too, I guess, but in some way, but, like, the whole ice cream <laughs> argument that Spongebob has, right? The sentient ice yeah. cream. <laughs> Where he's, like, literally getting beaten up by this ice cream. I'm like, what is happening? It's it's funny, but I'm also, like, it's kind of sad when we find out this ice cream is kind of sentient. I'm like, what is, what is this weird world that we're living in? I like how the animators decided to, like, he, like, wiggles his hand as, like, the ice cream is talking. Yeah. And then when the guy comes to clean it up, it, like, wiggles his hand for him. So yeah. it's like, oh, this ice cream isn't being <laughs> wiggled. <laughs> it's wiggling the man. <laughs> and then, like, the people in the background as, like, Spongebob's hitting himself, they're just kind of like, oh, they're, yeah. like, like, pushing their children away. Not, not, like, nice little little moments in this episode, uh, in this act for that. Um. I like the warning. I was wondering this as they were reading the warnings for this ride. Could you just put on a ride may cause and then they just write whatever? I'm sure. Could you make a ride seem more scary? Yeah, I'm pretty positive that you can, right? Yeah. Just to build up the hype for it. Yeah, the list says projectile vomiting, which Mm -hmm. like nausea, screaming, crying, like that's like a normal thing. Amnesia, spine loss, uh, embarrassing accident, uncontrollable gas, and explosive diarrhea. Like, if you put that on a roller coaster, you could say, well, it might have caused that. Yeah. You know, and you just say, I put the warning on there to make people scared. I mean, that's what they do with like pharmaceuticals, right? They put a bunch of warnings on just to scare people. Yeah, they're all imaginary warnings exactly, right? to make them seem scarier. <laughs> May cause death. Not real. I'll take this insomnia medicine. It's fine. <laughs> well, we already talked about that last, last week. You took too many. I didn't, die. Night, I didn't die. Night tremors so. or whatever. Jesus, don't follow that <laughs> advice. Uh, speaking of advice uh, that everyone should follow, and, and in addition to the warning labels on medicine uh, bottles, is don't make people smell you. Yeah, that whole <laughs> weird. That was so weird. Like I don't understand that whole concept. That like 
Larry was just like, here, can you smell, like, the adrenaline? I'm just like, dude, that's fucking weird. Like, I don't know what you're trying to do, what, like, your rocks are getting off by getting you smelling, but, like, I hate it. I do like how he, he has, like, a moment of self-reflection. Yeah. And uh, I really do think Larry is the perfect, like, specimen of human being. No, he, <laughs> he's, he's perfect in the sense that, like, he's cool without knowing that he's cool. He does yeah. try. But he he tries to fit in, yeah. And it's some of it's like, oh, maybe it's because I shouldn't ask people to smell, smell me. That's so it. It, it is nice to see that he has like that inter that inner monologue of like, oh god, I should <laughs> maybe be, I've done something wrong. I should, yeah, maybe uh, it's he doesn't like I'm, not, I'm too cool for school kind of situation. Yeah, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have people smell my pits. <laughs> hey, there's a fetish for everyone. Hey, Josh, what's up? Guess what time it is? Is it time for the bubble break? break. Alright, so we didn't really know what to do for this week's bubble break, but I have a brilliant idea. We're going into this blind, so I'm ready. Yeah, so uh, for Act 1, there's a very, very uh, little moment where Mm -hmm. Patrick fights his own reflection. (laughs) So my question to you, Josh, is do you think you could beat yourself up in a fight? Oh, If you had to fight your own self, would you think you'd win? Interesting. Which which so, version of you do you think would win? Yeah, so that's a question. So what's what is the difference, right? So I think for Patrick, it, to me, I've always felt like his mirror self is a little more aggressive than his like actual self, even though the, his actual self is the one that punches the mirror self. So is that like the situation? Is there like one that's more aggressive than the other, or like yeah? What? So uh, let's go based off the SpongeBob rules. Yeah. So. You uh-huh. are physically aggressive, more physically aggressive than your emotionally aggressive counterpart. Oh, so the other one. So the other one is emotionally aggressive. So I'll call you mean <laughs> names, thus instigating the fight. And uh. then, but I'm also just kind of curious. Like, do you think you, in an even match, <laughs> what tactics would you employ on yourself? Not, not. I'm not taking I, notes. Or I anything. think, and I, I have felt this way because, like. There have been points in my life where I've like I've got angry enough where I could feel like I could like beat the shit out of someone. So I don't know what that would. Fo- I guess probably the f- my physical self, right, would get to yeah. that point where it's like it triggers that animalistic whatever the fuck it is that it's like I'm gonna go crazy and beat the shit out of you. Uh, so I would I would go for my physical self. Like I guess emotional self, I would just start like if they started like emotionally bashing me, I would just block it out. That was what would trigger it. That's what would trigger me to go in like Hulk and beat the that <laughs> myself. So I would vote for my physical self will beat my mirror self. <laughs> this is a weird. This is a really gonna... weird conversation that I hope my therapist in the future looks back on and like has a lot to say about it. People are gonna have to go back in the in the episode three times just to understand that <laughs> that like the physical self and the emotional self. Yeah, <laughs> it really does say a lot about your psyche, though. When you're like, I think my physical pain is a lot stronger and a lot more violent than my emotional like self. So this is a fun little like breakdown of your mentality. <laughs> what about you? What, what what uh what demons are you hiding? Mine is a lot more simple. Uh-huh. I don't. I don't know if I would win. I mm. would just my thing. I think it would literally come down to who gets the first hit, like the first good hit in. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like who instigates the fight? Which if if well, in this case it would be me, not my mirror self. Yeah. 
I would like instigate the fight. And then the other thing would be like, I literally do think it will come down to like endurance. Mm-hmm. Like who can take all the hits and who can like dish all the hits and still stand up at the end of it. I think it might be like a, you know, Pokemon, the first movie, Pikachu slapping Pikachu. Don't even bring that up. I don't have the emotional capacity. No, to deal with that that's right how now. it's going to be. It's, it's me crying. You're triggering my as, emotional self right now. You're gonna bring out the demon in me. <laughs> as as one of as one of me is just slapping the other, as like they're slowly like losing the will to fight and to live. That's how it would go out. And there's I that think. sad like brother oh brother song playing in the background or whatever the hell it is. <laughs> oh god, I gotta rewatch that movie. Yeah, not the remake. The remake is terrible, but yeah, the original. Yeah, I didn't movie. even give that a try. Don't bother. I was. I was too afraid this of it. This bubble break is now just going to break down in Pokemon. Don't bother with the remake. It's complete trash. I hated it. So <laughs> I trust that opinion. I have not seen it, but I don't trust any remake. So That's fair. That's always a good way to go. But I it's think that's a inter- gimmick. I think that's interesting that you're like So I, I think that it really comes down to though like if we break it down like if your mirror self is the one that's attacking your emotional capacity, and I think this has a lot to do with people, like when it's like the sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me, whatever. But I think a lot of people, like words can hurt you, right? So I wonder as far as it goes, like, will people, are you more affected by the negative things that you would be able to tell yourself? Because like, who's your big, who's the biggest critic other than yourself, right? So imagine the that you'd be able to tell yourself to really like destroy you, or would you just like, physically get so angry that you beat the shit out of yourself and not listen to any of that. I think it's the second one. Only yeah. because I take I think so too. <laughs> I think I could take the emotional abuse better than the physical abuse. Well again, I think the the mental the phys- the mental abuse would trigger something physically where like I am done listening to this. I'm gonna beat the shit out of you. I'm done and I don't care, right? But what okay. So what if you're winning? Yeah. The physical side is winning. Uh-huh. And then the mental side gets triggered because they're like, "Oh my god, like I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat my own. No, I'm gonna win this. He can't win this and they, because they go Super Saiyan three. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh-huh. then, and then it's like Super Saiyan four. Oh, uh huh. And then there's the GT version, which a lot of people don't consider as canon. And then there's a. Ultra Instinct, which looks really cool. I really hope that in the future someone really breaks down this specific bubble break because not only have we broke down like mental health and physical health, we've also talked about Pokemon and somehow switched into Dragon Ball Z all throughout what less than like five minutes. This has really been incredible. Act two, bucket, sweet bucket. So, uh, Plankton and Karen decide it's time to spruce up the chum bucket. So he finds. SpongeBob and Patrick to help do that gives them paint buckets to kind of go ham on the place. Squidward's involved too, and uh, of course chaos can su- uh, ensues as uh, Plankton tries to take the opportunity to also get the secret recipe from the Krusty Krab. And uh, turns out that you know SpongeBob and Patrick decided just to make the chum bucket look like the Krusty Krab in the end. Um, kind of a light episode. Not a ton happens between it, but I thought it was still pretty funny. There were some really kind of like good gags and stuff between it all. Uh, so I wanted to ask you, Omar, for a discussion. If you own the Chum Bucket, and I think we've seen a lot of the Chum Bucket at this point, like the interior, the lab, the exterior, everything like that. What would be the improvements that you would choose to do to make it better? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I this actually leads into the episode perfectly because. I think that Plankton made the wrong mistake instead of 
changing the outside or the inside of the chum bucket. He should have changed the damn food. Yeah. Because no one comes well, for the ambiance, I think, after a certain thing. I think but, food and the name, right? I don't want to eat someone that's called the chum bucket. That sounds disgusting, right? Yeah, so, it's too close to bucket. Yeah, I don't oh, like that. Uh, well, some, some people might be into that, so don't kink shame, okay? <laughs> I'm not kink shaming. I just I, <laughs> I don't think it really uh, strikes as appetizing. Mm, yeah, that's true. Uh, for the mass, uh, the main, the <laughs> main, main majority of people. No, but I do think uh, the first thing I probably would have fixed was the interior. Uh, those pipes were gross. Yeah, things like that, things that uh, kind of exude this unsanitary nature. That was the very first thing the episode opened up with was just like how disgusting the interior is, like cobweb, cobwebs and dirt and like all that crap. And we've seen that with the Krusty Krab too. And it's just like- The full-size dust bunny. Yeah, exactly. The full-size, I love that. (laughs) But it's like, uh, it's just recognizing that you need to be able to clean and like take care of your space and stuff. And that was like the very, like jumping into small lessons really quick, but like you need to be able to maintain your space, whether it's your- um like place of work but also your home like making sure your home is clean and stuff like that because i feel like sometimes we get caught up in like work and stuff but if you come home to like a dirty space it 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 can also weigh on you mentally you know speaking of mental faculties i love the part where he he's like i'm gonna keep these three boobs occupied Mm -hmm. because he said haha boobs but anyways (laughs) the the other thing is what i think was really interesting was squidward in this episode yeah because Squidward one was in the middle of God knows what he was doing. That's some jazzercise um, stuff. That was a jazzercise costume. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get the heel toe stuff though. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. I, I thought maybe it was like a band kid thing. If you know, let me know. But anyways, he actually makes work for himself. Yeah. And I think it was really nice to see that he was actually self-motivated and it makes me think why Mr. Krabs hasn't used him to interior decorate more often or spruce up the place. It's like, it's know you're like employees. Here's like a small lesson for all you business owners who listen to this podcast, know your employees strengths and weaknesses. And that's good. Yeah. At the end of it, you see like Squidward really actually did a really good job. I mean, yeah. I mean, Mr. Krabs was able to sell a $25 patty just based on what Squidward was able to do with the like Four scraps. $25 yeah. patties. That's $100. That's 100 bucks, <laughs> for a burger. Can you imagine paying 100 bucks at McDonald's just because it looked good? I can't yeah. do that, but that's crazy. I can't either. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's that pizzazz, you know? That's mm-hmm. what I loved about this episode. They kept mentioning pizzazz, and I think that's true. Like, there is like a certain degree of um when place and we've talked about it before in the past like mm-hmm. it, a certain degree of how places look that in, impacts like how restaurants or bars function you know and it, it really does bring a lot into the environment how much you like pay for like a crappy drink at a place you know or like a crappy meal yeah sometimes people just like uh like the gimmick of it yeah you know yeah. chuck e cheese has been doing it for years peter piper's been doing it for years where it's like well, Peter Piper, the food's pretty decent. Yeah. But Chuck E. Cheese has <laughs> really been giving people trash food, and they're just like, they well, got look that at this dancing mouse. Animatronic now, you know? And then, you know, Five yeah. Nights at Freddy's comes and destroys that for them. So, like, walk into bankruptcy. <laughs> I would have just let them lean into it. <laughs> I would have just had um, the animatronics kill the children, just like in Five Nights at Freddy's. I am impressed with Plankton's uh, ability to emotionally manipulate people. Yeah. 
And I don't know why he can't just put that into marketing. Well, and like I was absolutely impressed with the wealth of like work that Plankton's done that we haven't seen. Like he's done telemarketing, he's done lifeguarding, he's done creative writing, you know. And two of those three careers involve emotional manipulation. Like telemarketing to some degree is emotional manipulation and creative writing. Like you have to and lifeguarding. And I guess lifeguarding. (laughs) Let's just do all three. Yeah. The most emotionally manipulative people I've ever met had all been lifeguards. Hundred so. <laughs> percent. You seen David Hasselhoff? He's the most emotionally manipulative person on the world, <laughs> on the planet. Oh, oh God. Um, but uh, so one of the improvements that Patrick does is that little window. Mm-hmm. That is, there's two things that he says that I think are really interesting. Is he says, "Oh, it's a window for your kind." They keep referring to Plankton the entire act as like some ambiguous thing. Yeah. Like they don't know what he is. I, I was going to bring that up too. Like it was so interesting to me that they, it was just like so ambiguous to what his species was. Even though like yeah. we know he is a Plankton. We've had episodes that have established like there's other Plankton in the past. And it's just like, no, you're, it's, it's your kind or, you know, for people like you. And it's just like, I, it, was, it was kind of made me uncomfortable to be honest. I didn't like the it way they me, were referencing it. It made me super uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but then the other thing is he's like, oh, you wanted to see out of it. That's weird. <laughs> and it's such a, like, I get it. It's a joke, but it's such a throwaway joke that I'm like, well, if you think about it, um, it's not like Patrick has any real windows. Like we've seen him like look at SpongeBob's house through a window. Yeah. But if you think about it, most of his house is underground. Yeah. So why would his window why look at know? anything? Yeah. I think we've had this lesson in the past. It's just like you got to hire the right people to do the right thing. So even though you're like hiring these buffoons to like put in windows, like again, Patrick doesn't know what the hell a window is. And SpongeBob didn't even think about like making it the right size for Plankton. So it's just like you got to hire the right people for the right job, you know? Yeah. And to piggyback off of that, it's uh, if you aren't, I put, if you aren't clearing your instruction, you aren't going to get what you want. Yeah. Cause he was just like, oh, yeah, just make it pretty for care in my computer one. <laughs> Which I which wanna... okay, go ahead. Yeah, let's see. You're probably gonna say the same thing. <laughs> that moment at the very end, yes. where they're like, "Oh, that's that's Plankton's wife." Yes. <laughs> okay, there's a multiple like there's two main things that come over my head. One, how did she go from uh, all the way across the street to back in there? Two, is this some weird like cuckolding thing, where he's just like, "Well, I took his wife." Yeah. <laughs> It was. And it three, was. She's still alive. That's what, what I was does wondering. That mean? All of that. All those like all same questions. I was just like, what is going on here? And the fact that like Squidward is just like, oh, that's just his wife, and it's just literally a computer that SpongeBob's playing solitaire on. I'm just like, you even like do you somehow like like brought her down to just like a basic computer. She's no longer intelligent. It was just like it was such a weird moment in this episode. I'm just like, I, I again another uncomfortable moment. I'm like, what have you done to poor Karen? <laughs> Yeah, I, I, and like even the other part where he asks him to like do things, he's just like, oh, well, my wife wants something and she can't, like, and I can't do it for her. So you got to do yeah. it for her. It is a lot of cuckolding uh, situation subtext, subtext there. Yeah, you know, that's a whole kink for that. Again, we're doing kink shame. You know, that's a whole subreddit for that out there. So if you want that, you go for it. <laughs> subreddit for everything. <laughs> Um, there's a lot of crazy strength produced in this episode. Yeah, I that, wrote down uh, that Plankton goes Hulk multiple times, which is like wild to see, right? Yeah, um, Mr. Krabs moves his entire restaurant just <laughs> full on on his own. Um, and also, 
I put uh, sometimes volunteers are more powerful than hired hired help because like they pull off the arch, which I didn't even know was a, a piece of the custom yeah. crab. I always thought it was just all one cohesive thing. They pull off the arch and they just throw it on the air and <laughs> squish themselves with it. Yeah. Which also is a nice little um <laughs> like animation yeah. like to see. Um uh, and they just carry it all over. But like especially when Plankton hulks out of the safe that I was like, Ooh, hello Plankton. I was kidding. <laughs> hello Plankton. <laughs> it woke uh woke up something inside me. A whole nother subreddit. <laughs> <laughs> Buff Plankton. <laughs> you know, they do have like um handsome like Squidward. Squidward. So Buff so Plankton's why wouldn't to come they... up next, right? Yeah, they need to start doing Listen, about Rule that. 34 exists for a reason, so I'm sure Plankton's out there with that. Yeah, but I'm sure it's like a lot of size play. Like giant woman, small person. If, you, if you, our listeners, have ever experienced any Rule 34 at Plankton, please email us, let us know exactly what you've seen. <laughs> yeah, I don't want any viruses, though. So Absolutely not. <laughs> screenshot it, send it to us. Um, so one of the lessons I got were, um, and I saw it with like Plankton when the, uh, SpongeBob asked for water because he's been helping out. And he's like, I can't offer you any water or whatever. I was like, well, if you're bringing bring people over to ask to help you do something, well, no matter what it is, it's move furniture, help you move, do anything, like offer them food, offer them drinks, beer, something like that. Because it like it just shows that you appreciate the time that they put into it, you know. And that's mm-hmm. part of what I've seen is like Plankton, you know, they did all this work, especially Squidward. Like Squidward went above and beyond with all those bureaus and stuff he did. But not once did Plankton like appreciate anything that they had done for him, you know. No, he even criticizes him and yeah. then repaints a log cabin <laughs> over his Squidward masterpiece. Excuse me, yeah, some garbage. <laughs> That's some garbage art. <laughs> um, one moment that I liked a lot was when Mr. Krabs comes back from vacation because the entire time you're like, "Where the hell is Mr. Krabs?" Yeah, and then uh, they're like, "Oh, Mr. Krabs, you're back from your vacation," and it says exposition yeah. above his head. <laughs> And I'm like, nice. I like that. I'm I'm glad that the writers are like, this is lazy storytelling to to, to show where Mr. Krabs has been this entire right. time. <laughs> but it was like, it, again, it was kind of cool because like that is a big question throughout the episode. The fact that Plankton was get, able to get through the entire Krusty Krab without Mr. Krabs getting there was very interesting to me. And the fact that they explained it with just like a very simple animation and just saying the exposition, I'm like, this is good. I like that. Yeah. I really much like that. I do like the foreshadowing, too, because when Plankton finally gets in that safe, it says molting lotion, a passport photo, and a travel size safe. And it like it's so overlooked, and we're like, oh, this is like a weird list. But, uh, you know, Mr. Krabs probably went to go molt. He went somewhere far, so he needed a passport. And he took travel size safe so he could, put, <laughs> he could swallow it whole <laughs> and put the Krabby Patty formula in that. It was good. I did so, like it was very smart. Like again, like I said, this episode's kind of light as far as like actual stuff that happens, but I did think that the writing was very good in it, you know. Um one thing I put when we were talking about uh buff plankton and all the super strength is rage makes you strong. <laughs> so some uh dark side kind of situation there. But yeah, if you're angry, use that that anger to kill you or something. Set adrenaline. <laughs> Time for the Wumbo lesson. Wumbo lesson. What do you got this week? This week, I got, and I kind of mentioned it a little bit in Act 2, but I think it is prevalent for both. 
is that uh, the experience of things is what makes a memory. So I, in the very first part, it's the whole experience of like waiting for the roller coaster is what makes that mm-hmm. memory. It's like it's the anticipation. It's like, oh, this was terrifying and whatever. Because the actual roller coaster part lasts like, again, like 15, 30 seconds. It's not that long, but it's the experience of waiting yeah. for it that really builds that for you. And the second part, we've always, we've talked about it multiple times is like the experience of the restaurant is what makes uh, that restaurant good. You know, and at the end, oh, yeah. he was able to sell hundred dollars worth of Krabby Patties just because Squidward put in all that work into it. So I think it's really important to realize like no matter what you're doing, like with a show with, it applies to all kinds of different concepts, shows, restaurants, mm-hmm. everything that the experience is what people will remember. It's less about the actual actions and stuff. Most of the time it's like they build up for everything that was, what's going to keep in people's minds, you know? And I think that's a big thing that we've, you know, trying to bring it back to the podcast. It's like, we try to bring this experience, you know, I hope that when, the people who listen will remember that like it's the experience of like knowing that spongebob has something to offer them you know that yeah they'll have to remember eventually you know and that, that it's like there's a lot of fun moments in this cartoon that apply to real life and stuff like that yeah and it, we we said it when we first started it's such a, like an absurdist kind of like cartoon like everything's like just crazy to be crazy yeah and like unlike other like i just watched like steven universe which has like really weird moments in it but like at its core it still feels like it's trying to tell you or show you something yeah whereas like this show has no intention of that yeah and i think that's it's nice to to feel that like juxtaposition yeah but i like the big lessons that you came up with because mine yours like focuses on the end product yeah and i feel like mine focuses like on the marketing of it so i put perception influences value mm-hmm. So like in Act One when they're talking about like the this roller coaster, this scary experience that like you are gonna feel. Like all these people are like it's like the talking about it and everything. Cause our it's perception of how bringing that, yeah, that hype. Exactly. Yeah. It's like our perception of this like scary event is gonna make it scarier for you. Yeah. Right? Um like with Act Two, it's one of those things of literally like like how you said, the perception of well, you're in a fancy place now, so why wouldn't you? You got to pay more dollars for it. Yeah, and he was just like, "You're right. I'll take four. Like, I feel like so much in life is that concept happening to us. Yeah, and also like for us as freelancers, us like trying to portray that to others. Yeah, so much about like uh, social media is like branding. And it feels like branding, even though it's not necessarily like supposed to be, um, you know, for some people, it's like, oh, I'm trying to be an influencer. But for other people, it's like we're trying to show what we offer. Be, what, but yeah, what potential our, what our mates or friendships, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like, look at this person. He's having a great time, even though he's stuck inside all the time. Yeah. You know, like you you're always trying to have that outward projection. Yep. So no, it makes I think sense. it goes hand in hand with yours. Yeah, I, I really like that. I like how we came up with that <laughs> unknowingly together. But I like how you brought up the freelance stuff because that is something that like it's hard to explain to people when you are a freelancer is that you and like to bring both of our lessons together, it's how you not only market your experience to people, but how that like end product ends up being for them, like how you've marketed it, but how that also shows to them, you know? And so like for me as a lighting designer, it's like 
it's hard to show them pictures and be like, you know, this is the experience that I could offer you, but I can't guarantee, like, it's hard to be like, well, that's what it's going to be at the end. You know, how do you explain yeah. that to someone? You know, it's yeah, just they're like, that I want it to look like a Broadway show. Right. But I have four lights and a, and a, <laughs> and a flashlight. <laughs> yeah. What can you do? How can you make that work? Yeah. Um, but no, it, it is, it is weird. And like, like you said, putting them together, is you can say, well, this is my rate. This is what I I think I'm worth, and you may outwardly project that. But then when it's you know crunch time, you need to be worth that rate. Well, it's right? it's worth that rate, and what again, like I said, like the experience is what you remember. So for people mm-hmm. who are working, it's like what I provide for you, or what like what with you, like when you provide like the the film stuff or everything, like what the end product is is what they're going to remember, and that's why they're going to mm-hmm. hire you back. You know, it's it's not the fact like a lot of times it's not the personality we've talked about in the past. Like a lot of people can get work because of what they provide. And that's a part of it, too, is just like it's the experience that they had at the end is what they're going to remember. And that's why you're going to get the work at the end of the day. You know, speaking of experiences, hopefully everyone else enjoyed their experience listening to this podcast. And thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you want to send us anything like some suggestions, some comments. Uh, tell us about your experiences. You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> you can do so at ismazepodcast.com or you can email us at ismazepodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on all the wonderful social media platforms, especially that Instagram. And be sure to share with your friends and enemies so they can all have the same experience as you. Or maybe they'll have a different one. Who knows? Who knows? Josh, what do you got uh, planned for the rest of the your day? Got a pretty packed schedule, actually. I got a long list of shit to do. It's uh, I got a crying, screaming, you know, projectile vomiting, a little bit of amnesia, some spine loss, embarrassing accidents, mm-hmm. uncontrollable gas, you know, and of course, explosive diarrhea. Psh, big fucking deal. I did half of that this morning. <laughs> <laughs>